Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Ah, uh, yes, it's episode number 30, the big 3-0 for the MMA Outsiders. That's Sam Pando. I'm Tom Albano. Sam, just like that, with how wacky this UFC pay-per-view schedule is for 2023, it just feels like yesterday we were talking about 285, and now this week we've got 286 coming up. Leon Edwards in his home country, in his home his homeland defending the, the UFC welterweight championship against Kamar Usman, the man who plenty still think is the best welterweight in the world. And we're going to get that answer once and for all this coming Saturday. Uh, we've also got a lot that we've got to talk about in terms of the action from this past weekend. But before we get into anything, make sure you hit that like button, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell. So you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network, whether it be the MMA Outsiders, Empty the Bench, Game On, uh, Fruity Cereal, and more. Make sure to follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB and follow the podcast network itself across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at ETB Network. That's Zan, my co-host, as always. You can find his work over at BJPen.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Zambano99. I'm Talvano. You can find my work over at Fan Sided MMA, follow me at Thomas J. Albano. Of course, the new uh, Fan Sided MMA with our website uh, pretty much on its own break. Well, not on its own, but our, the new Fan Sided MMA website, which looks fantastic. Zan, a lot that we've got to get into. We'll just talk about Bellator 292. We'll talk about the Marab uh, Devalish really pulling off. An absolutely one-sided victory over Peter Yan. We'll talk about Power Slap, which I know you were tuning in for and mm-hmm. get your thoughts on. We'll talk about this Fury Usyk news that was like, oh, and then we're like, oh, same as I, and then I, I, absolutely. Uh, I, let's. What's up? No, no, you go, you go ahead. I um, that's my that's my bad. Go, go ahead. Okay, no, no, I, okay, you were just agreeing with me. All right. Uh, let's start things off, though, with Bellator 292 because I think it was the card of this past weekend trying to discuss, you know, everything that has happened. So Usman Nurmagomedov made it pretty easy. I said on the show that I was, it was going to be a first-round submission, and, well, Usman Nurmagomedov did not let me down, retaining the Bellator lightweight championship against Benson Henderson. Easy first-round submission, so, of course, he moves on in the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix. Of course, this is his first uh, successful title, Benson, undefeated 17-0 now. He won the title back in November when he defeated Patrick Pitbull, and now he's defeated, obviously, a legend, a a former UFC and WEC Lightweight Champion in Benson Henderson, but one that you and I have agreed, Zan, it was kind of uh, a little past his prime, to, but that's probably an understatement. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, even before getting into Bellator 292, Tom, think about it. We're at episode 30 of the show, and I literally think we've gone 28 out of the way. That's 30 weeks just hanging this out. So before we even before we even get started, that's a that's a pretty cool milestone. And before you know it, we'll be have we'll be halfway to 100. I mean, think about this: sent to the bench just past 175. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that is that is a lot. There's a lot of episodes, but considering we started in late July, early August of 2022, to knock out 30 episodes in about 27, 28 weeks to me is pretty impressive. And that's not counting, Dan. That's that's a I guess counts the pilot episode, which is episode zero. But I, that's yeah. not not counting, Dan. The fact that when the John Jones Francis and Gano news broke, we were live as a breaking news stream. That we basically did a whole episode that wasn't an episode. No, true. We 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 did. We called it like a mini sode or something like that. Um, it wasn't even we, mini because it was fifty five minutes long. No, I know, but we had to we had to we had to dub it as something. And from what I from what I recall, it was either that or a breaking news stream or what have you. My point mm-hmm. being is that. The show is, uh, has gone by quick, and I can't believe we're already 30 episodes. For sure. But, but back, back to the fights at hand here, though. Bellator 292, if you missed it. Um, of course, as Tom alluded to just a second ago, Uzman Nurmagomedov had no issues with the former UFC lightweight champion and Ben Henderson at all. This is something that he and I totally agreed on. We, we really didn't think that Henderson had much of a chance, and he really didn't in the Tom, I got to say that head kick that started things off was very, very, very impressive and very high level. And, uh, you know, I just think it's one of those things where, you know, really did Ben Henderson deserve to be a part of the Grand Prix? You could argue that he probably didn't. Did it draw some eyeballs? It sure did. And without a doubt, name value-wise, this is the biggest win of Uzman Magomedov's career. And sure enough, his stock is going to rise. I mean, now even after this first round, I think he's the clear favorite to maybe not maybe not win the Grand Prix, but to definitely go to the finals, just given who else is in his bracket, but still a very impressive win for Nurmagomedov. And uh, someone where if you didn't know who he was um, before Friday, you definitely know who he is on Wednesday. So there's something just to keep in mind there that he is, in my opinion, and, and this is going to sound very bold, but I think he is, I think he's the best champion right now that is currently not in the UFC and I think his performance proved it to be the guy with the name value of Benson Henderson is not an easy thing to do I don't care that he's 38 years old he he dominated him in every such way you possibly could and I really do and and, again, and I'm going to keep saying it I, I I currently think he's the he's the best non-UFC champion at this very at this very moment and I, I think he's going to hold the belt for quite some time and I could argue that in the next several years, he might do the Michael Chandler thing where he's cleaned out his Bellator lightweight division and he's going to make the move over to the UFC. And we, I may be a little biased just because I did get a chance to see him up close in November, but I'm that high on the Nermagomedov train and I was very impressed with his performance. Yeah, uh, Zan, I actually feel like he is probably the favorite to win this Grand Prix. Granted, I think I think for at least for his side of the bracket, it's a pretty easy trip to the finals. Like you, like you said, I think really it all depends on who he's going to find the finals because I think it's going to be whoever wins 
the Patricky Pitbull AJ McKee fight, which uh, I don't even think that still has a date on it yet, right? Like Primus is fighting in, on May twelfth in Paris. I don't think McKee Patricky has a fight date. No, yet. no, no, McKee Patricky doesn't have a fight date, from what I recall. It would make sense to do it on the June twelfth card. What do you think? On the oh, the June card. Yeah, yeah, the June card makes the June card makes sense. I mean. Have the two have the two fights in San Jose like you did this past weekend. Have yeah. Brett Primus fight in Paris. Brett Primus has done the Bellator Europe uh, has done the Bellator Europe cards before. And then Patricky McKee. I mean, with a rivalry like you've seen with the with McKee and the uh, and the Pitbull brothers, especially you know the two fights that McKee had with Patricio, and now you're going to have him fight Patricky and Patricky being the former. Uh, lightweight champion for Bellator and uh, lightweight competitor over in Ryzen as well. That's one that you got to have as a main event. True. Now, I know we're looking way too far down the line, but let's hypothetically say that Usman fights um, fights the winner of that fight um, eventually down the road, either, either, either in the finals or at some point later on in their career. Do you think that that fight, no matter when it takes place, could determine who the Bellator uh, lightweight goat is, so to speak. Do you think? Do you think that that that's a possibility? You're talking about Usman Nurmagomedov versus whoever wins the, that fight. Cor- correct. Yeah, yeah. I that's tough. I don't know because when I think of lightweight goats for with uh, lightweight goats for Bellator, Zan, the two names that really stick out are. Obviously, you got Patricio Pitbull because he did the champ champ thing, but that wasn't his main division. Of course, Bellator lightweight for a long time, Zan, you said his name before, was ruled by Michael Chandler. Now, obviously, Michael Chandler, he was on again, off again with the bell holding it three times. Uh, but at the, that's still the legacy that Michael Chandler built for himself in, uh, in Bellator is going to be tough to top. Now, granted, I think Nurmagomedov and I think McKee both have the opportunities to, as you kind of alluded to, Zan, maybe challenge Chandler for that GOAT status. But obviously the Grand Prix is not going to determine that GOAT. That, it's also going to be for what they do after the Grand Prix. It, that, that's true, but I do think right now you can't um... – you can't really have a better a better uh, problem to have in that in that lightweight tournament than you do now. Just given you have Usman, McKee, and and Pitbull all gunning for gold and a million dollars. Would you would you sure. agree? Would you would you oh, agree oh, with for that? Sure. For sure. Like I said, as long as Usman gets to the finals, and as long as the winner of Patricky versus McKee gets to the finals, I think you've got a solid Grand Prix championship fight. Um, agreed. I mean, if you were to make an early prediction, are you backing Usman to win the entire tournament, or do you think it's or or do you think his run of dominance is going to end in the finals? What do you what do you what do you think? Uh, right now, my money's on Usman. I would I would agree. Honestly, me seeing him live up uh, in person and up close convinced me that he's gonna he's gonna win the tournament, and I would be surprised if he does not. Also. I'll say that for sure. I still think, as much as we, as much as we talk about with uh, that little rivalry between McKee and the Pitbull brothers, I think Usman Nurmagomedov is the favorite. Uh, 
the way that he defeated Patricky Pitbull, the way he ran through Benson Henderson. I mean, granted, if AJ McKee makes it to the finals, AJ McKee might make it quite the matchup with Usman Nurmagomedov. But I think Nurmagomedov, I think his grappling is on point. I think he's one of the best grapplers in Bellator. Plus, and as you said, he kind of alluded to the first strike of that fight with Henderson, the head kick that he knelt, and you know he he's good with his striking as well. Usman Nurmagomedov oh. is a quite the all-around package. Oh yeah, and so I have to ask you this because now. Ben Henderson has been a part of two of the most legendary kicks in lighterweight MMA history. The first being the kick off the cage against Anthony Pettis, and oh, this and now this kick. Do you think it's just bad luck that that Benson Henderson was involved in both of those sequences, or do you think that one of them was nastier than the other? I think it's just I think it's just bad luck. I mean, Zan, the the kick Nurmagomedov land was fantastic. But I mean, come on, jumping off of the cage as one of the last strikes. You are not going to top legendary status with that. Agreed. And by the way, um, in case you're curious, that fight is now almost 13 years old. You want to talk about us feeling old as MMA fans, that fight is really old. So I wasn't curious about that, Sam. I didn't want to feel old right now. Thank you very much. Oh, you're you're welcome. So let's let's transition into the into the next part of the story, which is Ben Henderson retiring from the sport of mixed martial arts. So I just want to know um, what your thoughts are on him retiring. Do you think it was the right time for him to retire? And what would you say is your favorite Benson Henderson memory? Because I have one that sticks out to me, but I'm curious as to what you think first. So I mean, then about the appropriate timing and such. I mean, there is an argument to make that because you kind of said it last week yourself that the sport had basically passed him by. But at the same time, he was still winning entering 2022. He won both of his 2022 fights against uh, Peter Quilly and uh, oh, Islam, Islam Mamedov. Although that was a controversial split decision. But I, I thought he lost... I thought he lost that fight. Uh, to be to be fair, what did you what did you think? Probably, yeah, probably a loss. But and, and then you consider Zan the fact that in his Bellator run, I mean, he was always around some of the bigger fighters, and he had his share of wins over you know Sadawad, Miles Jury, uh, Adam Piccolotti. But when it came time to facing, you know the, let's say, better competition at lightweight with Bellator. Your Chandlers, your Patricky Pitbulls. He even lost to Brent Primus and Nurmagomedov. You know, actually, Sam, let me do a little quick little look here. So he actually entered Bellator, Zan, off of two wins in the UFC. He beat Brandon Thatch in the last-minute uh, welterweight fight, and then he beat, uh, he beat Masvidal. And then he jumped Yeah, yeah was so, the, so wasn't it because the UFC decided not to match his off, match whatever, whatever he wanted? So that's why he left to go to Bellator to begin with? And, and Zan, that 2016 was a very interesting time. You saw Benson Henderson jumping over to Bellator. You saw Rory McDonald around the same time jump into Bellator. Gegard Mousasi in 2017 was like ranked number four or five that middleweight, and he jumped ship. Yeah, and this was when this was when John Fitch was in the middle of his Bellator run too, right? 
So you yeah. and you had a lot you had a lot of former UFC fighters jumping ship around that time to go to Bellator. And Sam, to be quite honest, uh, his run in Bellator, Denton Henderson, just maybe not really the most, not really the most impressive performances. Now, granted, you can look at the split decision with Chandler, or the split decision with uh, Patricky Pitbull, the the uh, first the first time that he and uh, Patricky, no, he fought Patricio, and then he fought Patricky. So Patricky. That so I mean, that loss to Patricky and then that loss previously to Chandler, the championship fight. You can look at one of those two fights then and argue that maybe he deserved to win in one of those fights. But as the record states, he started his Bellator run one and three because he actually lost his debut to uh, Andre Korikshav. He won four straight, lost another three, had the two and lost. So he, he had like a seven and seven record in Bellator. Yeah, it's yeah, never it's never really impressive considering the fighter that he once was. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing because that's the thing, Sam. When you talk about sorry, Sam, when you talk about like legendary lightweights and people and things who you know, uh, people who helped make that lightweight scene, you know, have more eyes. Obviously, you talk about your Frankie Edgar's, your Nate Diaz's, your Gilbert Melendez's, Anthony Pettis, Benson Henderson still is in within that group. I mean, as you kind of alluded to, he at one point was the WEC lightweight champion, and then he had himself quite the run with the UFC uh, lightweight championship when he beat Frankie Edgar, beat him in the rematch, beat Nate Diaz, beat Gilbert Melendez. And his run could have continued had he not maybe run into the short-notice Anthony Pettis rematch in UFC. I would agree with that. I would all... Also, I would also, I don't know how hot of a take this is, but I actually thought he lost both fights to Frankie Edgar. In my, in my honest opinion, watching them both several times over the years as I have, especially the one at UFC 150 in Denver. What, 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 did, what did you think of those two fights? It's tough because me, Zan, being in the tri-state area, you know, I would support Frankie Edgar. So it's like, you know, I... I kind of see it. The UFC 150 fight, yeah, I want to lean towards Edgar. UFC 144, I guess I can understand why Henderson got his hand raised there, although I feel like, you know, I, I is Edgar through and through on that one. As far as to go to your question before about memories with uh, Benson Henderson, uh, first of all, like I actually mentioned before, granted this wasn't the biggest of fights and he was kind of on his way out with the UFC but taking that Brandon Thatch fight he lose so he lost to Donald Cerrone when Donald Cerrone was doing you know one of his uh, little cowboy things where he did quick turnarounds but then Zan Henderson decided to have a quick turnaround himself and fought Brandon Thatch at a welterweight a month after losing to Cowboy and pulled off a submission win so I got to give credit to him on that one. And then, honestly, for regardless of what you thought about those controversial uh, decisions with Frankie Edgar, those two fights, especially the one in Japan at 144, are two pretty praiseworthy fights at lightweight. Oh, oh, I agree. Um, I would say my favorite memory, Ben Henderson, is when he defeated Nate Diaz. When he defeated, I think that's yeah. I think that. 
Zan has to probably be next, at least next to the Edgar title fights, his biggest win of his career, probably. Yeah, yeah, because that was before Nate Diaz became the Nate Diaz that everybody knows him as today. Because that was right true. before he fought uh, Michael Johnson and the two Conor McGregor fights. So, Very true. So it's pretty crazy how I both think that's. Guys- Sorry, I think that Zan. I, mean, uh, I think that was Diaz's only UFC title fight, wasn't it? It sure was. Yep. Yeah. And the most infamous part of that fight was um, Nate. D- I don't know if you remember this from the original broadcast, but Nate Diaz flipping off the crowd and Fox having to cut the fight off the air for two mm-hmm. seconds, and, and and then and then and then putting the fight back on when he was done giving the finger to the crowd. Yeah, that was one of those things where it's like, uh, live TV, folks. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. one of those things where, Zan, you just got to say. Um, It's true. Or you could have the Dana soundbite where it's like, people say mean things to each other all the time. This is a mean business. <laughs> uh, yeah, so granted, his Bellator run didn't go the way that maybe he would have hoped out. Granted, maybe we could say you could argue that he stayed in this sport a little too long, but Benson Henderson, as I mentioned, he is one of the faces, you know, that as I was growing into the sport more and more, that was around that lightweight. So, gotta give the tip of that, say thank you to Benson, and hopefully, you know, Sam, maybe he goes into a coaching role because I've got a feeling, I know he's done some corner work before, I think he was actually caught on um, an episode of Looking for a Fight, where Dana basically said hello to him. Uh, yeah, he sure was caught in an episode of Looking for a Fight, and Dana White was very confused as to why Ben Henderson was there. It was one of the most awkward moments in history at show, and that was one of the first times that people had heard from Benson Henderson when we watched the UFC in several years. So that was that was <laughs> that was funny. Um, it just like, I just like how Dana was so confused and yet so happy, and Benson's like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah." He's like, "What are you? What are you doing here?" And he's like, uh, "And he's like, are you are you coaching?" <laughs> and Ben Anderson said, "Yeah." <laughs> I I do hope he goes into. I do hope we still see him around as like you know in a coaching role in a corner role. So I feel like he has the. Uh, I feel like he has the. Um, the mindset and the fighting IQ where that he could be a help to an up and coming lightweight. Oh, 100%. Um, the last thing I'll say on Ben Henderson is uh, he, he, he doesn't have a very good soft spot in my heart because um, he denied Clay Guida a chance at a title shot in 2012. And I've never, <laughs> and, I, and, and I've never, and I've never forgiven him for that. <laughs> oh my God. So you're like, uh, Oh my God! Who? So you're like flying Brian J when it, flying Brian J has that thing about Chris Weidman watching Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the way, for, by the way, uh, for you guys who aren't following him on Twitter, you definitely, you definitely should. He's a he's a hilarious follow slash, uh, slash XMM a media member that always likes to stir the pot about something. So yeah, and as, and as I said, very. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how his feelings are after Chris Weidman broke his le- broke his leg, but uh, he for the longest time was a very big Chris Weidman hater. Very, very true, and very well said. 
Nonetheless, congratulations to Ben Henderson on a on a great UFC career, and maybe we'll see him in the Hall of Fame. He has expressed interest in that in the last several days. So who knows? Maybe in the 2024 induction wing, we'll see uh, we'll, we'll see Smooth uh, make his uh, trip to Vegas, if you will. Nonetheless, very nonetheless very impressive performance for Usman, and definitely um, definitely a great career for Henderson, even though his Bellator run did not go as how everyone had maybe hoped. So, for sure. All right, there was one other Grand Prix fight, Zan, that took place in San Jose this past weekend. Alexander Shabili scoring a third-round TKO to Fik Musayev, who I, yeah, believe, I believe the TKO came on body shots. Yeah, this was a very devastating win, and you very rarely see a body shot knockout as brutal as this one was. But this was a, this was a great fight until that point, and uh, he definitely looks like... Um, a force at lightweight that no one is really talking about. Again, kind of like what I said with Usman. If you didn't know who Usman was before Friday, the same thing with Alexander. You definitely know who Alexander um, Shabili is now. And uh, Tafik Masayev is no slouch, and he definitely came in to win. And uh, that fight was everything that I expected it would be. What did you What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. It was definitely a fun little fight. Shabili got a devastating finish, and Zan, that was only his four fight in Bellator. His four fights in Bellator. He beat Alfie Davis, he beat Bobby King, those were both in 2021, and then Zan, he actually has a finish over Brent Primus. Now, granted, Brent Primus won the championship in some pretty dubious uh, circumstances at the Bellator NYC pay-per-view, but nevertheless... Very, very true. Very true. That was a very infamous fight that we could spend an hour talking about but we but we won't and and that uh, and for a lot of people that tarnished uh, their fandom of Brett Primus you either loved Brett Primus after that fight or you hated them <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> uh but yeah but and then he defeated to fake messiah now cuz going to come the question Sam, cuz we we're talking about the brackets before uh Shabili is going to get Zan the winner of that Patricky AJ McKee fight. I think that's a little much for a fifth Bellator fight. Yeah, I'm just going to say good luck with that. <laughs> no matter no matter who you get, it's going to be a tough draw. But if I'm Shabili, I think I'd rather fight AJ McKee than Pitbull. What do you what do you think? You would rather fight McKee than Pitbull? Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. Wait, I why? Um because I just think that just just the name Pitbull and Bellator is so prestigious. And you have to think about it. AJ McKee just became the man like a year and a half ago. So maybe this is one of those ones where it's the young prospect, you know, beating beating a guy that Bellator wants to skyrocket into into rocket ship status, if you will. And Billy's job would be to knock off the rocket ship, so to speak. Whereas if, when you're fighting Pitbull, you're fighting a Bellator legend that's been around forever. and there's no other expectation than for for Pitbull to win easily. I think Shabili matches up much better with McKee as it is. I, I get that kind of aspect, Sam, but there is also the aspect that, you know, McKee, McKee has only lost once, and that was under some very controversial circumstances. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. That, that, so, so basically, Shabili's in this case of, I'd say pick your poison, but he can't, he doesn't really have a choice in this matter. 
or I guess the only thing, and you never want to wish injuries upon anyone, but I guess the only thing he can hope for is that you know, you know, the fight just falls through completely and doesn't it doesn't even happen. And then you get some replacement fighter, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Let's talk about the lightweight. That's talking about the lightweight Grand Prix. Yeah, we had a couple of first round finishes before that. Linton Vassell finishing Valentin Moldavsky and Zan. I mean, considering what happened, I think it was Steve Maury who lost a couple weeks ago on that Ryan Bader Fedor Emelianenko two card, and Vassell scoring the uh, finish over Valentin Moldavsky, who was ranked number one. I guess Vassell's just earned himself a title shot with this win. Oh, without a doubt, and I had no idea that Moldovsky could get finished like that, which is why the outcome was so surprising. What did you What did you think? I I, I knew the power that Bazell possessed, but I thought this was going to be one of those fights. Sam, what did we say? This was probably going to be one of those boring heavyweight that fights that goes to the decision. Oh, yeah, man, we were, we, we were wrong. We were wrong about that. We were we were we were, we were, shut, up. We were shut up. Yeah, we were we were totally shushed on that. I gotta say though, again, Vassell, another guy. If you didn't know who he was before Friday, you definitely know who he is. You definitely know who he is now. I mean, he's beating beating the number one guy in the world in Moldovsky is a is a, is a hell of an accomplishment. And yeah, I would previously be lost against too. No, it's a good it's a good point. And and that was also and that was also a fight where he was gaining confidence and. And he and then he sort of and then, and he sort of let a let it blow up in in his face, but thankfully this time that didn't that didn't happen. So and then, actually, that's a five fight win streak that he's on, and he's four of those have ended up with a knockout or a TKO. So very quietly has been building up this kind of reputation. And Zan, as much as we've seen Vader Vassell before, I guess it is a little bit of a new interesting dynamic because. Vader has finished Vassell, but that was a light heavyweight title fight. Now we're, we're going to have the opportunity to see these two as the true big boys in MMA. Uh, yeah, so I guess my next question is... Where does Kevin Lee fit into all this? No, my next question is, if Linton Vassell ever goes to the UFC and asks to fight... Uh, John Jones or Steve Miocic, does he stand any sort of a chance? Because I don't think so. <laughs> That's your answer. No. <laughs> again next time. <laughs> so, yeah, if anybody is dreaming for a Linton Bissell UFC title fight, you're, and if, you're going to have to wait a long time or maybe, or maybe never. <laughs> no. No. Uh, that being said, the Vassell Vader uh, fight now has an interesting dynamic with it being at heavyweight. But uh, yeah. yeah, I would take I would take Vader as early, as an early prediction. Uh, I would probably take Vader as an early prediction too. But I think Vassell has a better shot now that it's at uh, maximum two sixty five instead of two oh five. Very very well said. Again, another impressive win, and uh, for Meldovsky, a devastating loss. Obviously. Number one will not be next to his name anymore, but let's see if he can work his way back up to the top spot in the division by the end of the year. Because I still, I still think he's one of Bellator's uh, best fighters in the world, and I think anyone who follows the organization can also attest to that. So, the main card, although Zan uh, opens up with quite the unfortunate uh, finish, so Michael Venom Page 
I mean, we've seen leg injuries in this sport. That was a pretty uh, that was pretty nasty. Although credit to Michael Venom Page because it was his kicks that caused the injury. It wasn't like Goiti stepped back and then fell over and and hurt himself. It, it was from some pretty nasty kicking from MVP. Uh, yeah, this fight eerily reminded me of Jose Aldo versus Uriah Faber, and that last kick was just devastatingly brutal. It's where it, uh, unless you want to get grossed out, you can only watch that kick once because it was literally that bad. Although, Zan, I do have to say, I kind of feel disappointed. First of all, concerned about Koichi Yamauchi. Hopefully, he has a strong recovery from this. Um, but I do feel a little disappointed because we talked about the interesting dynamic, and they talked about it on the broadcast too. MVP, one of the best strikers that Bellator promotes. And then you've got Koichi Yamauchi, who you know, has grappling expertise. This was going to be a very interesting uh, stylistic matchup, that classic striker versus grappler uh, fight when it comes to a mixed martial arts fight, and it just ended pretty quickly like that. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I can't I can't disagree there. Um, I mean, wh- what would you say what would you say now is is um, is, is Yamauchi his next step after a loss, after a loss like this, in your opinion? Uh, firstly, he's got to get healthier. First of all, he's got to have his, you know, he's got to have his recovery. That that's that's above that's above everything else. As far right. as as far as what happens to him from here, I mean, just to do a little quick glance at where he is. I mean, he's still ranked number five at welterweight, so maybe you want to put him. I'd say I wouldn't put him with a Jason Jackson. I don't even know if I would want to put him with a Douglas Lima. Uh, I'd say Douglas Lima, maybe the maximum I go. Maybe Lima do another. I, have he and Gracie fought? Neiman? I don't. I don't believe so. But you can you can double check that we were not wrong. Yeah, because the three names that are around him in the rankings, and there's th- and those three are kind of what come up to me right now. Douglas Lima, Neiman Gracie, Andre Korshkov. I mean, because he lost to Michael Page, and Michael Page was ranked number two. Actually, he just knocked out Gracie back in August. So, okay, I'm not going to have that rematch right away. So, your options at this point are, if you want to keep him fighting a higher like competition, maybe you have him fight Douglas Lima, former Bellator champion. Or you have him face, uh, or maybe you have him face Andre Korshkov, but I, I think Lima might be the more interesting matchup there. Yeah, I could I could see that. And obviously Lima is a bigger name too. And I think you could build that fight up a lot more um instead of um Urish Club. I think you'd rather have him fight Lima in in my in my opinion. And I think if you're a grappling fan, the Lima Yamauchi fight this sounds like a good time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so obviously that was the Bellator side of things. We also had, Zan, a UFC card this past weekend, highlighted by Marab Devalish, really dominating Peter Yan. So I want to say this, Zan, I want to preface like this. I called it. I said Marab was going to win, but holy crap, I did not think it was going to be as one-sided as it was. Uh, no, it was definitely one-sided, and uh, I mean, you gotta you want to talk about Marab as, uh, as a top contender? I think he passed the test with flying colors. I'd give him an A plus for his performance. Uh, what did you think of it? 
Yeah, solid A+. I mean, really, Zen, the only round that you could maybe argue Jan winning was the third just because of some crisp striking there. But everything else, I mean, Zan, the 50, the 45s and the judges, I mean, that wasn't, you know, well, let's just give it over that. Like, no, Rob, by flying colors, won that fight. It was not even close. And, I mean, there's two ways you look at this, and because, uh, like, we were just talking about the Vassell Moldovsky fight. For Marav Devalashvili, this is an excellent victory. This is top-notch. For Peter Jan, this is devastating. Oh, I think devastating is an understatement. This is a loss that he could not afford, and uh, and um, it just it just wasn't um, it just it just didn't it just didn't go well for him. Um, I mean, I mean, it really it really just. I mean, what, what more? What more can you say other than other than that? Um, I mean, it's like it's a, begs the question of where do you go from here if you're the former champion, and. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I was just checking the contract status of Peter Young, so that was the third fight of his uh, of a six fight extension he signed at the start of 2022. So really, Zan, he does not have a lot of time to, you know, get another win and get back to that top of that division. He fell to number four. He's actually right smack between. Cheeto and Sandhagen, who are going to fight in the main event of the San Antonio card next weekend the, on the 25th. So I think, Zan, maybe next logical step is whoever wins that fight. Um, I would agree. I mean, what do you think is what do you think is the worst case scenario for Peter Jan at this point? I mean, I'll, I'll just let it say why I was looking at his uh, contract status, because one of the students that I have basically said, uh, Peter Jan to Bellator. And Zen, I'm going to be really honest. If he keeps losing, that's not out of the realm of possibility. No, it is not. But also, you got to think about Peter Jan as being a big draw. I mean, the UFC has given him a lot of huge fights in the past. I, I don't see how they would let a guy with, with that much immense talent just walk that easily. I agree, but I think I think it also depends on what he does in his next couple of fights. So let's say he gets let's say he gets the winner of Vera versus Sandhagen. And I say I should say the loser, but let's be honest, Zan. Let's be really honest. We've got Cejudo who has the next shot. If Cejudo beats Sterling in um in May, then probably that's going to be Marab's ticket to a championship fight. And, but if Sterling beats Cejudo, then I think we know what's going to happen. We know they're going to give the title shot to Sean O'Malley. And that's why Sean O'Malley's kind of on the outside at this point waiting. Um, I mean, well, I mean, do you think, though, that there's a chance that Sean O'Malley would have to wait any longer um, during the outcome of Sterling versus Cejudo? Because I don't think O'Malley versus Cejudo it's a fight that makes a lot of logical sense. What do you, no. What do you think? No. And again, well, let's talk about the other end of this story, Zan. So we've talked about it. We talked about it when uh, Marab beat Jose Aldo back at UFC 278. 
Marab and Sterling have such a strong friendship and such a strong camaraderie over with us at the Saralonga team that they are not willing to fight one another, even with gold on the line. And that was actually addressed by Dana White this past weekend after UFC Vegas and after Power Slap, basically implying he kind of gave the hint, Zan, that, um, you know, hey, that may not be best for his career. And Zan, I know you've got other members. I think it was Matt Fravola who basically told uh, in a social media message over to Dana, hey, you know, there are things like, you know, friendship and, you know, the fact that there are things in being teammates and such that you won't understand because you're only looking at dollars. But Zan, this is actually one of those times where I'm going to agree with Dana. If you are in this sport, Zan, and you want the best for yourself, obviously a title is going to come with that. And we have seen, Zan, teammates fight one another over gold. If Marab doesn't want to fight for gold, I mean, then he's got to pray. He's actually got to pray for his teammate to lose to Cejudo and May. Otherwise, I don't see the point in being a heavy, a bodyguard for the champion. He's doing nothing but, I'll say it, Zan, this might be a little extreme, but if Marab is doing this, he's doing nothing for himself but making himself a legitimate gatekeeper in the division, which he shouldn't be. Oh, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I mean, what would you say is the most legendary example of this, of this um, friends wanting to not fight thing in the past that you that you've seen, in your opinion? I mean, Sam, the biggest uh, thing that I can think of was the whole Chuck Tito thing, where Tito basically was like, "Ah, Chuck and I aren't going to fight. We're teammates." Um, yeah, I would say that would be the biggest one too, but then, then they eventually fought. That's, that's true too. Um, and Zan, I mean, you look over at, um, you look over at Bellator, Zan, and you've got Rafian Stotts, who's the interim Bantamweight champion. And he's implied that if he beats Patchy Mix, uh, for the, uh, in the finals of the Grand Prix, I mean, there's the chance and he's acknowledged it that maybe he will have to fight his buddy. In Sergio Pettis. I think Zan Marab at this point is becoming the pretty the biggest example of somebody not wanting to fight their former their fight their teammate who has gold. Um true, very, very well said. Um I I have to ask you this too. I mean, I think the UFC is gonna get this done. Um Marab meaning meaning give Marab a title shot. But do you actually think it'll be against Sterling, or do you think the UFC will honor his wish? Because I personally don't think they will. I think they, I think they have to do a champ versus number one contender fight because that's simply how the business works. And you know, sometimes you have to fight your friends, and I think that that's what they're going to do. I think, I think, Zan. Ultimately, that comes down to what Marab wants to do. Now, going off of what you said. I think the UFC is going to gun for Sterling versus Marab if if uh, Sterling retains against Cejudo in May. I think, Zan, however, what's going to happen is the fact that O'Malley doesn't have another fight book and, you know, has that win over Yun. He's going to be 
he's going to be, to use the example I talked about before with the welterweight division, he's going to be the bait. It's like, hey, if you don't want to take the title shot, we'll just give it to O'Malley instead. Why not? Why not fight the winner of Cheeto versus Sandhagen if you're if you're O'Malley? Because that because that Cheeto rematch could be gigantic. While Zan, I agree on that. I, I it's not a matter of that O'Malley. I think it's Zan. He's the UFC's golden boy at this point. They're gonna want to give him the title shot stat. But they might be in a situation where they have no other choice but to make him fight the winner of that fight. And Zan, I think, and I think Zan, that's the the most logical thing is to have O'Malley fight the winner of Vera versus Sandhagen. But Zan, this is the UFC we're talking about. No, I know. It's the the UFC we're talking about. And we're talking about a situation, Zan, that we don't normally see. We should see somebody like Marab be willing to fight his teammate, but Marab is being stuck up about it. True. Well, nonetheless, I think they will figure it out eventually, but Marab not wanting to fight Sterling and move divisions only makes matters worse. So, Like I, like I said, Zan, I think, honestly, if you're Marab, as much as you root for your buddy, this might be the time where you root for him to lose to Saudo. Because if he loses to Cejudo, Zan, I don't think they go with a Sterling rematch unless it's a controversial decision. I think they just jump on Cejudo versus Marab. Oh, I honestly don't think they'll do it at all, no matter how controversial it is. You, you, oh, you think, in other words, they're going to do Cejudo and Marab the minute they get the opportunity? Uh, absolutely. And yeah, I, don't I, think, I can see that. And I don't think either which way, I don't think they'll do an immediate rematch, no matter how you slice it or dice it, from uh, from Sterling and Cejudo. I think it's a very fair argument. I think it's a very fair argument. I just think, you know, my point being, the minute that they get the opportunity to make a title fight with Marab, they're going to take it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of power slap, Zan, so you watched the finale. You watch the finale, and then at the post-fight press conference, did I really just say post-fight press conference for slap fighting? Uh, yeah, you did. So, at, so we had the power slap finale. You watched it. I didn't. And Dana White said that, uh, so Dana, the reports are that TBS is not going to take season two. I'm not surprised, Dan, considering that the, uh, show was in jeopardy after the Dana White slapping his wife on New Year's Eve incident. Uh, but he says, Rumble loves slap fighting, uh, power slap, so they're going to do season two, and we're going to take the next season, and we're going to put it essentially on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, so um, the finale I thought was was good. I thought the production value was good. The main event between Wolverine and Darius the Destroyer lived up to the hype. It only took one slap for that fight to end. Uh, th- that rivalry is finally over. Apparently it was the fourth time they had faced each other, so that was kind of interesting. Um, I will say, though, uh, what was weird was how eerily similar this power slap broadcast looked to a UFC uh, Dana White Contender Series broadcast, except it was on Rumble. And also, I don't know if you caught this, but Matthew Wells of MMA Junkie 
caught that a bunch of tweets that the UFC were putting on the screen actually weren't even real. They were from like bot accounts or something. So yeah, I did see that. I'm like, are you kidding me? So when the UFC says, "Oh, we got millions of views and whatever, whatever," you got to take that all with a grain of salt because when I was watching it, 178,000 people were on the stream, not not two million or whatever they're trying to claim. So, so okay, Zan, 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 hold on. This calls for this. Dana, wait. Dana White lie. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's well said. Um, I gotta say it was a, it was a spectacle. Uh, Dana went on. I don't know if you watched the full Dana White post fight presser, but he just went on and on about how amazing the numbers were and how awesome it worked on Rumble and how good the fights were. And, how and that's good. why we're gonna stay on Rumble and we're gonna take our next season and put it in Abu Dhabi. Um, I don't know. I'll say, I'll say this. I thought Dean White was bullshitting me, but he said that I could download Rumble and watch the finale for free. And sure enough, he was right. <laughs> so this time he wasn't lying. I was, I, I thought, I thought they were going to scam me and make, and make me pay for it or something. And then I, and then I wasn't going to watch it. But then when I opened it and saw it was free, I'm like, oh, no way. <laughs> I gotta say this. It's a it's a spectacle. <laughs> it's it's absurd. Um the the knockouts are just absolutely crazy. Dan, and, uh, Dan, can I say it's sad sorry to interrupt, but I can I say it's sad that this actually has better success than Zupa boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of boxing. So what the heck? So Fury Usyk is gonna are gonna fight in a, about a month and a half, and we just didn't know it. <laughs> Apparently, which would um, make for which would make for two crazy weekends in a row with Tank versus Ryan Garcia the twenty second, and the and this potential Fury Usyk fight on the 29th. Start to uh, get your money ready, but Zan, I think I only have one response to this story. Boxing gets in its own way once again because, of course, it does. And by the way, this fight was supposed to happen the same weekend of the of the Jake Paul uh, Tommy Fury fight, and didn't happen. This, this fight's been given new dates like three or four times now. I mean, Zan, watch, watch it not even watch it not even happen on April 29th Now, I'll say I'll say that. Zen, are we going to really have a press tour? And every, as much as I want Fury versus Usyk, and I want an undisputed heavyweight champion in the sport, what, what's the realistic possibility we're going to have a deal and a press tour and, and training camps all for April 29th? It's, uh, I, uh, I doubt it, because um, right now at the time of this recording, it's March 15th, and uh, that is... A little, a little, um, a little over a month away. We'll, we'll yeah. be a month away now. Yeah, yeah so I don't... Then, uh, press, press X to doubt. Pressing X. Uh, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, um, I press X to doubt on this fight ever happening. Sad enough. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, unless some, unless a miracle happens. 
Um, nonetheless, that's the only boxing news in town for this week. We want to move on and talk about the big, uh, the big, um, the big tuna, if you will, UFC 286, which is going to be taking place in London um, this upcoming weekend. The long-awaited trilogy fight between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman at a special time of 5 p.m. Eastern on pay-per-view. Um, yeah. Tom, I believe, Ur- uh, I, I believe early prelims begin at one Eastern, and TV prelims begin at three Eastern. That sounds right, because back by me, it's the pay per view begins at four. So that 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 makes sense. Um, Tom, this fight has obviously been highly anticipated ever since the kick occurred around the world. Um, the promotion for this fight has been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, tickets are thousands of dollars. You can't even buy a ticket to this fight if you tried. By the way, I want to tell you another fun fact. It's the first UFC championship fight in London, England, since UFC 204 when Dan Anderson fought Michael Bisping in 2016. I cannot believe it's been that long since the UFC had a pay-per-view. And, Zan, I actually got completely fooled on the time because, Zan, I remember that Henderson-Bisping card, Henderson-Bisping 2 card, they didn't change the time. It was a 10 p.m. Eastern pay-per-view time. It was like 3 or 4 in the morning over there when the pay-per-view was starting, and the place was still packed. Yeah, thankfully they're not doing it this time around. But, um, hey, I, I'm going to be an advocate here, and I want to see more 4 p.m. Central pay-per-view starts. But this is, this is, this is awesome. I can, uh, this, is, this is awesome. I, I can be done by 8 o'clock in the state of Illinois and still the rest of my evening off. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty damn good, in my opinion. That that San is always the one positive I have when they do international pay per views, namely the Abu Dhabi cards. That's the one positive. There's always an early start time that you can just be done by the evening. Very well said. Um, in terms of the fight itself, I really do think that Kamaru Usman is going to prove his dominance and uh, regain his UFC welterweight championship. In a very closely contested fight, I think Usman pushes the pace, uses his wrestling, frustrates Edwards, and tires him out. You could see Usman nearly finish Edwards, but I don't think that's going to happen. Edwards is going to hang in there and land a couple nice shots, but I just think Usman has learned his lesson from before not to get too overzealous, and I think it's going to go very similar to the first fight between these two. What do you, what do you think? I think, San Leon Edwards showed some promise in that second fight. I mean, he became the first man to score a takedown on Kamara Usman. Uh, he obviously landed the head kick heard around the world that won him the championship. Remember, to win a championship, Zan, on a decision, you got to fight a full 25 minutes. Kamara Usman only fought 24. And so you got to give credit to where credit is due for Leon Edwards. Uh, but Usman did show that had they gone to the scorecards, he won a, would have won the fight easily in that second fight. He definitely has the better grappling ability. I still think he's the stronger of the two fighters. I think, as you mentioned, Sam, he got overzealous and overconfident in that fight. I still think Kamaru Usman is the best 170-pounder in MMA right now, and he is going to prove it this Saturday. Hashtag Zan, uh, Zan hashtag and new Hashtag, and once again, Kamara Usman, I'm going by unanimous decision, regains the welterweight championship. 
Yeah, and as you can see here, I have the entire card um, up on Tabology as we speak. Uh, this is a uh, I gotta say for early start on a pay per view, this is a this is a pretty solid card. What are what are your early impressions of uh, of this card as a whole? We have fifteen fights on this bad boy, so buckle up for a long, dragged out night or a lot of really quick finishes. One or the one or the other. Yeah, and I got to give credit that they are giving attention, Zan, on this card to some international names. I'm not just referring to England itself. I'm just referring to international in general because obviously you've got you've got Gunnar Nelson from Iceland. You've got uh, Jack Shore fighting in the uh, main prelim, the Welsh-born fighter. You've got uh, Joanne Calderwood of Scotland competing. I mean, Joanne Wood, pardon me of Scotland competing on this card. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of international talent surrounding. And then, of course, you've got uh, Rafael Fizia from Kazakhstan competing in the co-main event in a very huge opportunity, Zan, against the former interim lightweight champion, Justin Gagey. Yeah, I mean, this is this is an enemy territory for Justin Gagey, but considering he's going international, let's just call it enemy territory. This is a very underrated fight for Gaethje. You could argue this is a trap fight for him just because Fizzy have snuck, have snuck up on everyone out of nowhere um, in 2022 to become one of the best um, contenders in that division. It's going to be a very close fight, but I see Gaethje edging out a decision. I also would see Fizzy have getting him in trouble a little bit and Gaethje surviving uh, during, during the midway part of the fight. That's going to be an action-packed fight of the night contender, no, no question about it. And even if Fiziev loses, his stock is going to rise because there's no way Fiziev um, is going to be in a boring fight. And as long as I've been watching him, which hasn't been very long, but for as long as I've been watching him, he's never been in a boring fight. And there's no way that this fight between these two isn't boring either. So there I'll, you go. I'll say, Zan, Gaethje versus Fiziev is my pick for fight of the night. You know, my pre- pre-show pick for fight of the night i think gagey wins i think zan i think he does classic gagey though i think he gets it done in late in the second or at some point in the third round finishes fiziev fight of the night so fiziev doesn't uh doesn't go down in any sort of rankings he gets his 50k bonus and then zan it's gonna bring up an interesting question of you know what happens next with uh with gagey and what happens next with the lightweight title picture because do you think, Zan, that, I mean, we got Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush coming up in May. So you're going to have the winner of that fight. You're going to have Gaethje, should he win, or Fiziev, or even Fiziev if he wins. And then you're going to have the winner of Oliveira versus Dariush. I mean, I mean, um, I already said them. Uh, Dustin Poirier, who defeated uh, Michael Chandler in November, as potential next challengers for, um, for Islam Makachev. Uh, yeah, you're leaving one fight out there, and I think you did it on purpose. But we also have to look at the big elephant in the room, which is Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. Do you or do you not think that the UFC would would not instantaneously make Justin Gaethje versus the winner of Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler? Okay, okay. I was talking about a title shot. I was ready to. I was ready to give you all the sound effects, Stan, that I did for Jake Paul just a couple weeks ago. I, I, I was like, no, okay. As a potential next fight for the winner of, you know, either giving 
Conor McGregor, you know, if Conor McGregor gets past uh, Michael Chandler, having Conor McGregor fight Justin Gaethje, or to have a Justin Gaethje-Michael Chandler rematch, you know, oh, I don't know, Zan, one of the greatest fights 2021 ever had, uh, sign me up. Yeah, all of those sound good, but could you imagine, though, the UFC just decides, yeah, let's make Justin Gaethje versus Conor McGregor for the most random UFC interim lightweight championship we've ever seen. Okay. Now, now, now I'm mad. <laughs> but hey, would that not would that not be the most typical UFC thing ever? Ever though, of course. that doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> <laughs> then if that fight actually happens, I'd have to ridicule you for months until the fight actually happens. <laughs> but in all in all honesty, though, Justin Gaethje, um fighting the winner of Oliveira versus Benil Darius sounds a lot more realistic than what I just said and would make a lot more sense uh, ranking-wise, of course. So For sure. All right. My, yeah. my, pick, my pick is Justin Gaethje by, uh, by, by unanimous decision, uh, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Very close fight. I think he edges it 2-1. to one. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be right. a good one, though. All right, Zan, after all that Conor McGregor talk, now I'm ready to move on to Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson taking on Brian Barbarera. Uh, I like this matchup, Zan. Gunnar Nelson is coming off of a win. We haven't seen him in a year. He defeated Takashi Sato uh, last time out. He's won two of his last four. Actually, he's only won two of his last five. But his losses, Zan, I mean, he lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio. He beat uh, Alex Oliveira. And then... Uh, the Sato fight was his first fight in about two and a half, three years. Those losses prior to that, Zan, were Leon, El- Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns. Those aren't bad losses. Meanwhile, with Brian Barberena, uh, you've got him coming off a loss to R- RDA from December. Prior to that, he had a three-fight win streak, defeating Darian Weeks, Matt Brown, and Robbie Lawler. I like this matchup. Um... I mean, granted, these are not ranked welterweights, but there's still some notable, you know, unranked names. Who do you want to give the edge to in this one, stylistically? I like Barbarina in an absolute slugfest. Every every single time you think that Barbarina is down and out, and his career looks like it's gonna it's gonna take a turn for the worst, especially going into the fight with Matt Brown. I kind of thought similarly. This is a big fight for Barbarina. And I think he pushes the pace on Nelson. I actually think he finishes him within two rounds. I actually think this is one of the most underrated fighters on this whole card. And I think he, I think he delivers um, Saturday night, essentially in, um, in, in Gunner's home territory, if you will, although he's not from London, um, it, it, it still, it still makes for a, a raucous crowd. And I, I actually think that Barbarina goes into enemy territory and, uh, and, and and beats him. I really I really do. I think at least from an at the standpoint of being a more active fighter, I I want to go with uh Brian Barbarena. I think Zan, this is going to be an all out war. I think this is going to be a very close fight. Um, ultimately, I'm going to agree with Barbarena. I'm not going to go with a finish though. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip our Gagey Fizzy up thing. I'm going to go with a decision for Barbarena. Okay, that's fair. Um, another fight that, and I'm that I'm curious if you think it's going to be boring or not. Do you think Marvin Vittori um, just j- just wrestles Roman Delise to death, or do you think that, uh, or do you think that Roman Delise 
just says screw it and just starts throwing the hands and seeing what the hell wins. What do you what do you what do you think? I mean, Sam, both of those can be true, you know. I could see a situation where Roman Delis uh just fires off anything that he can, but gets a little too sloppy and Vittori takes advantage and basically wrestle wrestles him. I think that's my prediction. He's Delis is gonna look out for the knockout, but it's gonna it's gonna cost him and I'm gonna go with Vittori by a decision. Yeah, I'm gonna take Vittori by decision to thirty twenty seven on all three judges' scorecards. I, I, I like Zilzis. I like Zilzis. I don't know if he's ready for the top of the middleweight pack like Vittori and, and such. I don't think so either. And I think this fight will... Uh, will t- will t- if you weren't a Marvin Vittori fan uh, before this fight, assuming of how we think the fight's going to go, you probably won't be a Vittori fan after the fight either. And we actually have one more fight, Zan, to have a look at. On the uh, main card, you got Jennifer Maya, the former flyweight title challenger, taking on the undefeated Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill, Zan, is on a bit of a roll. Four-fight win streak, knocked out Shanna Dobson, submitted Lara Procopio, uh, defeated Antonia Shevchenko, actually finished her, earned a performance bonus for that, and then edged out Roxanne Modafferi in a split decision that I think was, uh, yeah, that was Modafferi's retirement fight. Uh, I, I think... Yep, uh, I, think, I think, sorry, uh, I think the, uh, I think the train continues. I think uh, Casey O'Neill finishes Jennifer Maya in the second round. Yeah, I, I, I like O'Neill to win the fight. I, I don't know if I go as far as saying a second round finish, but she'll be Jennifer Maya and she'll be in that uh, upper echelon discussion of getting a title shot in the near future. And I think that she's someone that not a lot of people are giving a lot of love to, but you know, she is one of those rare breeds that, you know, if she wins this fight, don't be surprised if you see her have winning a fight night card in July or August because I think she's literally just that good. So I, I, I agree. Let's it, would be, it, would be, it would be a devastating loss. Uh, assuming that she does lose, it would be a devastating loss uh, for, for Jennifer Maya to say the least that because she's still trying to get back to, uh, to fight for a championship. And if she and if she loses her road back, may be very difficult. And in fact, she may never get another opportunity again. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Let's talk. Look, let's look at those uh, prelim fights, Zan. What's interesting to you? I mean, like I said, Zan, they've got Jack Shore on the main prelim, and he's facing a guy, Zan, who's lost four of his last five in Maquan, Amrikani. I think Zan, that's uh, that's what we call squash match territory. Uh, yeah, I would say, excuse me, I would say, um, I, I, I'm excited to watch, uh, Makayev fight. What do you, what do you think? Uh, Muhammad Makayev, I think is the other big name on that prelim card. Uh, as far as the early prelims go, I mean, you got Joanne Wood, uh, she's taking on Luana Carolina, who is coming off the, that, uh, very infamous and knockout, uh, spinning elbow by, uh, Molly McCann last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it has been a while. It's it been all a year. It's been it's been all almost a year because that fight was wait that was that was in March too. Right? Well, it was yeah, almost yeah. exactly a year. Yeah. Wow, that is that is that is nuts. That is crazy. So maybe a rebound fight for Wood there. Obviously, this is a big opportunity for actually. Yeah, this is a big opportunity, Zan, for uh for Jake Cadley and uh. That Lerone Murphy Gabriel Santos fight looks interesting. That's headlining the early prelims. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I. Uh. I agree. And I. I actually think that. Um. You. You. You could see a potential upset right in that fight, just considering that Santos is undefeated, and I don't think a lot of people really know who he is. So that'll be that'll be interesting. All right. Let's see what best bets. What sand are you looking at? What would you put money on for this card? Oh wow, this is a great question. Um, I'm gonna say here. I'm gonna scroll up and um, yeah. So I would say um, I think stop sharing for now. I would say um, I would say best bets. I would say Marvin Vittori by decision. I would say Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Wiesman over two and a half rounds. And then my final bet would be Muhammad Makayev inside the distance. So the, those, would, those would be my three picks. Uh, I'm going to go. Let's see. I'm going to go with. Uh, what was your bet for Edwards? I got it over two and a half. Over two I'm and a half gonna... rounds. Okay. I'm going to agree with you over two and a half rounds for Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. Uh, I'll take Marvin. I'll take Marvin Vittori via decision, and then let's see. Uh, let me actually have a look at Jack Shore's fight history. Uh, all right, he hasn't had a lot of. He has a couple of submissions. He actually coming off a submission loss. It was the first loss of his career. Um. See, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with a Jack Shore submission prop. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay. What is your What is your reason behind that? I I I think Zan. I mean, Macron Americani has lost four of his last five. I I think this is just typical UFC. They're setting Jack Shore up after a loss to Ricky Simone. They're setting him up with somebody who's easy talent to get a win, especially Zan in front of uh in front of the English crowd. Yeah, to get a win and to get his opponent cut potentially too. Yeah, for sure. I, I yeah. totally see that's what's happening. And could you see could you see um Amir Khani go back to the regional circuit if he ends up if he ends up losing in your opinion? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um overall, I know we like to grade cards after the car uh after the card, but because this card is so stacked before watching any of the fights, what would, you, what would you grade this for an international flair? I would actually give it an A minus. This is this is a solid card. I, I was I was thinking along the same lines, A minus B plus around the around that the international flair. Uh, absolutely. So again, just to clarify, uh, the pay per view begins at five p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus stateside with the prelims and early prelims right before you can catch the televised prelims on ESPN News. And, of course, the early prelims will be on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass as the UFC pay-per-view train of Q1 that we said was going to be the best Q1 in company history. I think it's slowly but surely living up to that. And 285 was any indication of how awesome that card was. 286 should be, uh, which would be nothing but spectacular, um, as, as you guys obviously already know. Um, we're, we're slowly but surely inching towards my favorite time of the year for the UFC, which is their summer suede. So we're going to be excited to cover more information about that as the time comes. Tom, I wanted to close with this. You've watched the UFC for a very long time. What is your favorite UFC event 
that they've ever done in London. I think it's hard not to argue that last year's card was unbelievable, but I would also say Anderson Silver versus Michael Bisping was pretty awesome too. Yeah, uh, I'd probably I'd probably then uh, lean towards last year's card. Just the raucous, raucous crowd, especially Zan, after all that time away due to COVID. I, I want to go with last year's card just simply for the environment that that uh, that, that crowd produced. Although Michael Bisping versus Ander- uh, Michael Bisping versus Anderson Silva is probably one of the best fights they've ever had in that uh, in in that country. For sure. And um, now I have to ask you this other question because the UFC is going international. If there was a dream UFC pay-per-view that was international that you'd want to attend, uh, who is fighting in the main event and where is the card? Oof. I mean, San, I will say, and I think I've said on this show before, um, I know Bellator has a hold of the Italian market. But as somebody of Italian blood, I want to see a UFC card in Italy at some point. I don't know why the UFC hasn't had a card in Italy yet. At least a small fight night or not. Um, As far as who is main eventing that card. uh, That's tough because uh, if they want to go to Italy, obviously they're going to need some sort of Italian representative, and the only one I could think of really is Marvin Vittori. Yeah, and I think it would be um, better for the UFC if the if the headliner in the Italy event was a champion, and unfortunately for Mr. Vittori, he does not hold the belt at the moment, so I think that would make it a little bit harder. Uh, for me personally, I would love to go to a UFC event in Ireland. I don't, I don't care who's fighting in the main event, just to see the madness of the, uh, of the, uh, of the three arena in in uh, in Ireland would be absolutely insane. That's why, Zan. If for Ireland, I would love to go to a Bellator card there because Bellator goes all out with its international cards, especially when they go to Ireland. Oh, I would go to a Bellator Ireland card just for just for the entrances alone. <laughs> I love the Irish. I love the crowd uh, in Ireland. Whenever Bellator goes there, okay. Oh, my, my my final hypothetical question. Um, I I don't have an answer to this because I've been lucky enough to see a dream fight in person. But but if you were to have one dream one dream UFC fight that you could go cover or go watch as a fan anywhere in the world, where is the fight and where is the main event? Madison Square Garden obviously is the easy answer. Okay. Uh, my home. Uh, that that or Vegas. That or going to the T-Mobile in Vegas because that's the UFC headquarters. Uh, okay. okay. Those are solid. It would probably have to be some sort of John Jones fight because he's the only one that's really around right now. That is in the GOAT conversation. So John Jones versus. I mean, Francis Ngannou is still—it's still technically going to be a dream fight forever at this point. Yeah, if you were to ask me for a second option that I would have, because I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have seen Poirier yeah. versus, versus McGregor three. If you were to ask me another dream fight that I would love to go see in person that hasn't happened yet, it's a super fight, and it would still be—it would be a dream because I don't would know. Would it be a McGregor there. fight? No, it wouldn't. It would be um. You, you know, it would be. You know, fight. I would. I would. I would be very, 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 very fortunate 
to be able to see it in person is a UFC super fight between Israel Adesanya and Kamaru Usman. I would, I would, I would love, I would love to. I would love to see that fight, but I would love to see that fight, Zan. But uh, I don't know. You think they would be willing to trade blows with one another? If they if they did a catch weight of one seventy five, I think it's more than more than possible. Wait, you said catch weight. That's disqualified. Dana's never gonna do that. Oh, oh come on! I can't. I can't dream a little bit. That's why it's a dream. True. Because Dana, Dana's gonna say because Dana's gonna say you know catch weight, and he's just gonna laugh in your face. Oh, and then in terms of um a dream fight in Chicago. This one's easy. I would love to see in person Curtis Blades at the United Center, like in his hometown, fight for a UFC heavyweight title. That would be that would be unbelievable. To, to, I thought, to, I, have, I to have him to have him fight at home in Chicago we, would be would be absolutely amazing. I thought you were going to say a CM Punk return to the UFC. No, absolutely. <laughs> I've already I've already seen him in person once. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to see him again. <laughs> I don't want to see that again. He fought. He he fought an MMA journalist for crying out loud. <laughs> CM Punk versus Jake Paul. <laughs> no, ever- n- never, <laughs> never. I think I think people would boycott combat sports forever if that ever happened. And I literally mean forever. We would we would we would refuse to talk about it if so. Uh, all right. Speaking of broken, I think I'm broken. I think I'm done with this episode for today. Yeah, so. I think we're. I think we're both done. Oh well. Well, again, thanks to everyone who tuned in. Uh, this was this was an hour and twenty minutes of fun. We hope you enjoy UFC 286. Uh, good luck on your bets if you are betting. We will be back next week for a star-studded preview of UFC San Antonio, a recap of UFC 286. And of course, a preview of the big fight between David Benavides and Cable Plan of Las Vegas, which I cannot wait to see if you have not watched the All Access yet for those to go and check it out. Uh, I'm Zan, that's Tom, and thanks again for watching and listening to episode 30 of the MMA Outsiders. Before we get out of here, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to follow Empty the Bench Network all across social media. You can find uh, the MMA Outsiders at MMA Outsiders ETB across social media. You can find my work at bjpin.com. You can find Tom's work at Fanside at MMA. You can follow me at Zambando99, and you can follow Tom at Thomas JL Well, Thanks again for everyone that tuned in this week, and we will see you next Wednesday morning, same time, same place, on the other side. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next Take week. Care. Go to fights this weekend. Take care.